Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. You know, our series this year has been about helping us get the right perspective on a new year. Uh, We've said you cannot and I cannot control the events that we encounter in life, the experiences of life, but we, we are in complete control of how we respond to the events and to those experiences of life. And in our response, it really does impact whether or not we are effective and even successful. So we wanna talk about how we perceive those things because we typically don't see things as they are in as much as we see things as we are, right? In other words, I I see life through my perspective. I understand it through kind of the filter of my experience. So it's important that I have a proper perspective of the things that I deal with in life. And we've also said that it is possible to be blessed on one hand and at the very same time, on the other hand, be burdened. To have a experience or a season of life where you would say I am experiencing the best of times but also the worst of times and it's happening at the same time. In fact, in John 10, 10, Jesus said, on one hand, there is an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but at the very same time, on the other hand, there's our Savior who has arrived to give us life and give us life abundantly. So on one hand, you have this temptation that's pulling us down. On the other hand, you have this lift of our faith that is pulling us up, and you and I are largely in control of that outcome. Uh, So really, the takeaway that I hope you get from each weekend as we're talking about this is this, control what you can control. Since so much of life is out of your control, control what you can control. Just simply take charge of the areas of your life that is possible for you to take charge of. And we said, starting out by way of review, that one of the things we control are our thoughts. We can control the thoughts that we think. So that weekend, we said, think about what you think about because it's so important, because you will inevitably go in the direction of your thoughts. You're here because you thought yourself here. You'll be to the next place because you think yourself there. So our thoughts, we go in that that direction. So be sure that our thoughts are right. Garbage in, garbage out, right? Be careful what you think. The second thing we know is not only are we in control of the thoughts that we think, we're in control of the words that we speak. Uh, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is in my mind and in my heart, the preponderance of that will come out in my conversation. And I'm in control of my words. I'm absolutely in control of what I say. That's why we should think before we speak. Um, and and those, uh, those thoughts that are wavered and wrong will govern our speech. So think about that. I can control what I think. I can control how I speak. Then we said the third weekend out, we're in control of our choices. Uh, We can make the right choice or the wrong choice. If you want a better life, start out by making better choices. And so we're in control of our choices. And then fourthly, last weekend, I said we're in control of our attitude. And we all have an attitude, right? And we're in control of that attitude. And your success uh, and effectiveness in impacting and influencing other people will be directly linked to the attitude that you have. People with a bad attitude generally have others who saturate their presence with their absence. So you have to be uh, careful of your attitude because that's an area that we're in control of. And now this morning, 
with that backdrop, we are also in control of the friends that we make. We're in control of our friendships. And so I wanna challenge you to give great thought to the friends and the friendships that you form. It is so essential, it is so important. Because God did not design us to go through life without relationships. In Romans 14, verse seven, it says, none of us live to ourselves alone, none of us die to ourselves alone. Psychologists say that people who go through life alone suffer on a much deeper level than those who go through life partnering with others. Isolation is a potent killer. It'll affect you emotionally, it'll affect you physically. God didn't design you to go through life without any friendships, without any fellowship. You and I need one another. And so it's so important that we realize that we were designed, God has designed us for relationship. Now I know I hear people from time to time who are on, on, on Facebook and they'll say something like this, uh, well I have a thousand friends on Facebook, a thousand friends on Facebook, right? And I know that's the word that they use to describe the people you're connected to. They say that you're friends. But let me tell you, anybody in the room that thinks you have a thousand friends, you're wrong. <laughs> They're not your friends. You may be connected to them on Facebook and you may be uh, in a relationship with them at some level, but they're not your friends, not really. Not with what I'm gonna talk to you about in a little while. You don't have a thousand friends. In fact, what you will find in your life is you'll have far more acquaintances than you have actually true friends. And I wanna talk about making good, solid, lasting friendships. Have you ever thought about this? The very first issue that God addressed in the Garden of Eden was not sin. The first issue God addressed in the Garden of Eden was solitude. He looked at Adam and said, it's not good that you're alone. You need somebody. You need friendship, you need companionship, and I'm just saying God has uh, just simply wired us up in that way. Now I know when you connect with other people on Facebook, and it's a great way, social media is a great way to connect with people, I understand that, I'm not hating on it, I'm just saying God has defined the relationship, right? But when you connect with someone, have you ever connected or reconnected with someone and after you've met up with them and talked to them, you found that you are far more and they are far more connected to your history than with your present or your future. You have anybody like that? <laughs> you talk to them for a while and, and, and you have so many great memories and you've had great experiences, but all of a sudden after a while you realize we don't have anything currently to talk about because they're more connected to your past than they are to your present. Now they're, they're a great resource and it's fun to talk to them, but after a while, you, you kinda wanna be connected more to someone who's more connected with where you are now and where you're trying to go. Someone that shares what we would say our vision and our, our values. Now what you have that's powerful is when you have a person who has a connection both with your past and with your future. So I want you to think for a little while about the power of friendships and the value of these relationships as we're entering this new year. Let me give you a great verse. Ecclesiastes chapter four, look at verses nine, 10, and we'll drop down to verse 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. I saw a uh, study that was done from a university that took these teams out on a hike on this mountain and they put 
certain of the team members in groups and certain other team members would climb uh, a single, solitary. And they discovered after all of them got to the top and they came back down to reevaluate the experience and talk about it, they found the ones who partnered with someone, had a friend, had someone with them on the journey, had a much more enjoyable experience. And they even talked about there were moments when they actually helped each other through that experience. And of course, the university study, the value of it was that you do better when you're connected with someone to help you in life. And certainly that's the principle he's driving at here. Two are better than one. They have a good return for their work. And here's a practical reason. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And then 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then he said, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let me give you three or four things to think about before we go home today. When we talk about making good friendships. Number one, this is profound, you have to find them. (laughs) You have to find them. You know, you get a deck of cards, you got 52 cards, right? But in the deck of cards, you got four aces. Think about that like friendships. You're gonna meet a lot of people in life, you're gonna go through a lot of relationships in life before you find the aces, before you find those people who are genuinely good friends. Now, I mentioned a moment ago, finding people who share your vision, your values. That's why I would encourage you, if you're looking for relationships and friendships, a good place to start is your church family. Get involved serving somewhere, in a group somewhere, food pantry somewhere. All of a sudden, you start sharing life with someone you have things in common with, some values, some shared experiences, and you find a great opportunity to meet some wonderful new friends. I read a statement by Andrew Carnegie who had several millionaires working for him. And he said, when he was interviewed about that, he said, they weren't millionaires when they started working for me. (laughs) He said, here's the principle in life I've discovered that's made me successful. He said, when I want to mine for gold, I don't focus on the dirt, I look for the gold. And when you're looking at people, you don't focus on the dirt because we all have dirt. (laughs) You have to see the potential that each person possesses. You have to mine for the gold. And so I'm suggesting you this morning that one of the first things you do when you want to develop good friendships is you've just got to find them. If you want to do big things in your life, you can't surround yourself with small people. You need bigger people. You need people who have a bigger vision, who have bigger values, who want to go where you're trying to go. Someone, I would say, who uh, enhances your spiritual and your personal growth who bring out the best in you. Romans 1.12 talks about uh, the mutual shared values that we can experience that enhance our growth. Someone who is a great emotional support for you. Someone who laughs when you laugh, right? Who can weep when you weep. Someone who can connect with you emotionally. Someone who enjoys the things socially that you enjoy. And what you find is when you begin to find someone like that, your joys are doubled and your sorrows are divided because there's great value in connecting with someone. Now, let me put a disclaimer out there. Here's what I will tell you as you start this journey toward better relationships and stronger friendships. You're gonna get burned occasionally. You're gonna get burned. Jesus was the wisest, most discerning person that ever walked the earth, surrounded himself with 12 close friends. One of them burned him. (laughs) We know Judas betrayed him. Well, if Jesus in his perfection could be burned by a friend, Who are we to think we won't be, right? In fact, the very word betrayal, it's not possible for someone who is not in a relationship with you to betray you. You can't use that word. That's a word you only use concerning a friend, a betrayal. 
And I say that simply to tell you that as you begin this process of trying to find the right person, you need to realize that some people will let you down, some people will betray you. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John 2, 19, they went out from us because they were not of us, because had they been of us, they would have continued with us. (laughs) There's a principle that I found from that verse that I think is true, and that is this. If someone can leave you, it's because they couldn't stay. And if someone can stay with you, it's because they can't leave. So understand the value of friendships. Find the right friends. Number two, not only find them, but filter them. (laughs) Filter them. Now let me say something to you, okay? If you are the smartest person in your circle of friends, if you are the smartest person in your circle of friends, you need smarter friends. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm just saying you need somebody that's smarter than you are in some other areas. Friends are supposed to bring you up. I've got friends in my life that are they're infinitely smarter in a lot of areas in, in their life than I am in mine. And there's a value in that. There's a, they they in, incentivize you. They bring out the best in you. They provoke you to think. They provoke you to study. <laughs> so evaluate your circle and say, I think I might be the smartest one in my circle. Well, if that's the case, get some smarter people. <laughs> because one of the things you have to do when you're finding these friends is you have to begin to filter these people to bring out the best in you. Here's what a healthy friendship will do. It's the word reciprocity. Reciprocity. And the reason that's significant is you are a limited resource, right? If you have a relationship that you're calling a friendship and all of the emotional energy is going one way, that's not reciprocity, that's redemptive. Now that's important. We need to have redemptive relationships. We need to have people that we're pouring into. But you don't need to look at someone who is totally on the receiving end of everything you have to give and they give nothing back to you in return as being a healthy friendship. I would call it a redemptive relationship. So for some people, you need to redefine the friend. Just move them over a little bit. They don't hurt your feelings that way. They don't disappoint you that way because you don't have an expectation that they're gonna be giving back to you the same way in which you're giving to them. Do you see what I'm saying? So some people get disappointed in the people because you've defined the relationship the wrong way. A healthy relationship is, is giving as equally as it's receiving. They're pouring into you as equally as you're pouring into them. And I know there's seasons of life where that will be out of balance a little bit. You're gonna have friends that are gonna go through some heartache and some heartbreak and they're gonna go through some difficulty where you'll find yourself pouring more into them. But I'm saying eventually as they get healthy, they'll begin to pour back into you. So you have these replenishing relationships, you have these uh, redemptive relationships, and those relationships that are healthy are reciprocal, and you need to be able to filter them. The philosopher Aristotle said he felt like there were three types of people that we'll be in relationship with. He said one is recreational friends, friends we like to have fun with, you know, maybe you go off or whatever you do, tennis or whatever you do, boating. Uh, you have a recreational friend, you have that in common, you call, hey, let's go, let's go for a run, let's go do this, let's go do that. And that's kind of the nature of the relationship. He said, then you'll have friends that are transactional, they're business relationships. You go to lunch with them, you have something in common, you're helping them, they're helping you, but that's kind of the defining the nature of the friendship. But he said the strongest friendship are relational friendships. 
someone that's more than just recreational, someone that's more than just transactional. It's someone you can truly do life with, someone you have common values and you share a common vision and you connect with that person in a meaningful way. And as you think about this idea of filtering certain people from your life, let me give you this and share this with you as it's helped me. There are five types of people you cannot help. You can't help these, you ready? Number one, people who don't think they need it. You cannot help someone who doesn't think they need it. Even God cannot fill what is already full. And when you have someone and they just absolutely think they do not need help, you cannot do anything to help that person. Number two, you can't help someone who know they need it, but don't want it. <laughs> but man, I know, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't need your help. You can't do anything for that. You can be hurt for them. You can feel bad for them. You can pray for them, but you need to filter them. People who don't think they need it. Secondly, people who know they need it, but don't want it. <laughs> I found John 5, remember Jesus going to the pool of Bethesda? And he found the man on a mat at the pool of Bethesda. And the tradition was that the angel would come and stir the waters. And during the stirring of the waters, if you could get into the water, whatever malady you had would be made whole. You could be healed. And this man had been there 38 years. And so one of the first questions Jesus asked him in John chapter five is profound. He looks at this guy and says, do you wanna get better? Do you wanna be made whole? Now, most of us would read that and just go, well, duh. I mean, sure he does. But does he really? Think about it. He's at the pool of Bethesda 38 years. You could have ooched over a quarter inch of a time in 38 years and get your hindquarters a little closer to the water, wouldn't you think? I mean, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying the, the guy had no interest in, in helping him. He, he really did. Jesus said, are you sure you really want, you want to get better? Are you sure you're just not kind of happy in your misery? <laughs> and I mean, I'm just saying there's some people that, as shockingly as it is, you come to come to terms with the fact they need help, but they just don't want it. Third type of person you can't help. People who don't want it yet. They need help, they just don't want it now. And you're like, why, why would you, no, not yet. You're right, I know I need it, but not, I'm not look, you can't help them. Filter them. <laughs> Number four, people who don't want help from you. They don't want help from you. You can't help that person. In fact, in John chapter four, verse 44, Jesus realizes he tried to minister to some people and some people didn't want him to help them. And the people, many times, that didn't want his help were the ones that had known him the longest. Some of his family says he's crazy, he thinks he's God. <laughs> and in John chapter four, verse 44, he makes this comment in relation to that. He goes, you know, a prophet gets no honor in his own country. And there are people who will never see beyond your past. They'll never see who you are now and the value you bring into their life. And so you just can't help them. They just don't want help from you. Filter that person out of your life. Number five, people who aren't willing to do what it takes to get help. You can't do anything for somebody like that. Someone who just says, look, uh, thanks for helping, thanks for trying to help me, but I'm just not willing to do anything necessary to make my life better. Again, you can be burdened for them, you can be broken for them, you can pray for them, and we should, but you can't help them. 
until they come to terms with who they are and where they are and until they're willing to take the steps to change their life, there's not one thing you can do for them. They are a redemptive relationship, but they're not a replenishing relationship. So redefine the relationship, filter them, and put them in a redemptive category. So you find them, you filter them. Here's number three, you begin to form them. Man, when you start finding the aces in your life, and you start finding those quality people in your life, what I mean by forming them, I mean cultivate the friendship. Cultivate the friendship. Jesus, we know, was close to 12, right? The apostles. I've already said, and we all know, one of them betrayed him. So, I mean, he picked a dud in the friends he surrounded himself with. So you're gonna have a dud. You're gonna have somebody that's just not gonna, you know, they're just not gonna repay you for all you've done in their life, and you've, you've mischaracterized the relationship, and they hurt you. Jesus had that. But what's interesting, when you think about it, he was close to 12, but get, get this, guys. He was only really close to three. Peter, James, and John. When he's going up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he tells the rest of them, stay here, and I want Peter, James, and John to go with me. So here he was, he was close to 12, but even closer to three. What's the principle of friendship? The principle of friendship, again, is you're going to find in your life, you will only have a handful, and if you're fortunate, maybe two, of people that will really be very close to you. People that you can trust, as the old expression go, with your life. Somebody you can share your deepest, darkest secrets with and know they are going to have your back. You say, how do you find a friend like that? I think there's a great principle in the Bible. And the way I think you find a friend like that is be the friend you need and you'll soon discover the friends you want. Be that friend to someone else. The very best friend you have in your life was at one time a stranger to you. But through events and through actions and reactions, you began to develop a relationship. You found them, you filtered them, you're beginning to cultivate the relationship, you're forming that relationship. And I would say that's one of the ways whereby you find quality people in your life. It takes time. We tend, get this now, because you call it the golden rule, right? Uh, do unto others as you would have them do to you, Matthew 7, uh, 12. Here's another principle when it comes to friendship. You attract what you are. You attract what you are. If you're loving, if you're generous, if you're compassionate and you're forgiving, you tend to attract those kinds of people. If you're an angry, bitter person, you're vengeful, you, you, you tend to gossip about other people and trash other people, guess what? You tend to attract what you are. So I would set as a goal to try to be the friend that I need so that I can discover the friend that I want. There's that locked in law of likeness that says whatever you want, you give away. You want joy, be joyful. You try that when you leave here today. You go to a restaurant and just be nice to the waiter or the waitress. Most of the time, <laughs> you'll find they're nice right back. You smile to someone, they'll smile back. And I don't mean one of those cheesy what you've been up to kind of grins. I mean a genuine smile. But when, when you're that way and you're generally a joyful person, you'll find guys in your life, people will bring that back your way. Listen to this principle, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with wise people, you become wise. What's the principle? Association begets assimilation. You just naturally become like the people you hang with. Remember the old uh, thing that said, if you want to soar with the eagles, you can't hang out with the turkeys? 
Association begets assimilation. So wise people walks with wise people. Proverbs, listen, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. What I get from that is there are no neutral relationships, none. No neutral relationships. That relationship you have is either moving you forward or it's pulling you backward. So it's important that we find these relationships and we form them. And here's the last thought. Once you found them and you began to really form them, then finally forge them, forge them. Bond them, bind them together. Determine this is going to be someone with whom I want to do life with. They're going to be a lifetime friend, best friends forever, right? (laughs) This is the person that I want in my life. And, and, And let me tell you, I've got some. But let me tell you how all of those friendships were formed. Are you ready for this? That's why I use the word forged. They're forged in the fires of adversity. You go through stuff together. That old saying is true. You find out who your friends are when you go through something. That's true. And what you'll find is when you go through the fire or you've been in the foxhole and you've been there with someone and they've been there for you, there is a forging, there is a bond that nothing in this world can break. Let me give you three qualities of a forged friendship so you can evaluate. First quality is love, love. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. This kind of friend doesn't just love you when you're right, they love you when you're wrong. This kind of friend doesn't just love you when things are going your way, they love you when the bottom of your life falls out. They don't just love you when you're on the mountain experience and you're having great success, they love you in the valley when the, when the whole world seems to have come against you. When you have a friend that loves you that way and when you love someone that way, that is a friendship that is forged in the fires of adversity. It's a friendship not unlike our Lord has for us. The Bible says he's a friend of sinners. The Bible says he comes into our world when everyone else walks out. And if you're looking for that type of quality of friend, it requires that level of love. Second word I'd give you is not only love, but I'd give you loyalty. Loyalty. Proverbs 18, 24. Someone who has unreliable friends will come to ruin, but there is a friend that will stick to you closer than a brother. Proverbs eleven thirteen. this kind of friend is a safe person. You need to have a friend that you can confide in. You can tell your hardest thoughts and your deepest secrets. You can say things to this person that when you say it, you don't even believe what you said. But you said it to them. And you're not gonna meet that conversation coming back at you some other way through some other person. Do you have a friend like that? Someone you're going through a dark experience and you know whatever I tell them, it's in the vault. <laughs> it's safe. It's not gonna pop up somewhere on social media. Someone else isn't gonna rat me out because I'm having a dark day and I'm having some dark thoughts and I just needed someone to talk with me about this. Uh, That level of loyalty is a friendship that's forged in the fires of adversity. And so many times Christians get burned by other Christians. I believe we ought to pray for uh, each other, especially when we're going through times of trial. But listen, be careful when you confide some of your deepest secrets to someone that you've asked to pray for you that you don't have that level of a relationship with them because I've seen Christians use prayer as a means of just gossiping about other people. Oh, see that guy over there? Pray for him. Yeah, it's just bad. No, two girlfriends, I think. (laughs) See that girl over there? Yeah, she told me this. Um, drugs, I think. I don't know. I don't know. 
Maybe a, maybe a Dos Equis virus, I don't think. It is a cruel. <laughs> She's been drinking a little bit. I don't know. My, my point is, my point is, not that we're not to pray for each other, but I'm saying sometimes you just say, I have a friend that needs prayer. And you don't have to tag them because everybody in that circle doesn't really need to know the specifics of things they may have confided in you, especially if they're trying to work through it. Uh, by the way, God doesn't need to know their name. <laughs> He's not like going, okay, you gotta give me more information or I can't do much. <laughs> like, well, what's he look like? I mean, it really, uh, is it that one over there? I mean, where does, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's God after all. He doesn't need all that detail. What's my point? My point is, do you have anybody you could confide in? That you could share some things that you're thinking and maybe you're going through in life that would say, I love you, I'm praying for you, and would hold you accountable. I, I don't mean a friend that if you're going through something in a dark phase that's just going to take that and manipulate you to get you on board with them for doing something that's destructive to them. I don't mean that kind of friend. I mean a friend that's gonna say, you know this is wrong, I'm gonna hold you accountable. I love you, but this ends now, and I'm gonna make sure you're not doing that anymore. See what I'm saying? Loyalty, loyalty. So there's love, there's loyalty. Thirdly, longevity, longevity. Have you ever had those relationships with people that maybe you hadn't been around them in a while, life just got busy, and maybe you hadn't gone out with them in a while, but when you sit down with them and you talk to them, you pick up right where you left off. Yeah. It's like no time, isn't that a great friend? And, and, and you can tell, have you ever, you go to dinner with them, and man, all of a sudden, or maybe they're over at the house, and all of a sudden you look at the clock, and you go, holy cow, it's 11 o'clock. Somebody needs to, we need an adult in the room here to send us to bed, right? This is crazy. I gotta go home. And you get in the car and you tell your spouse, wasn't that great? Wasn't that awesome? I mean, we just had the best time in the world. And conversely, <laughs> have you ever gone out with somebody and it's tick tock, tick? <laughs> you go, for the love of God, you know, anything. Maybe a meteor fall and ruin this dinner. I mean, you just want anything to happen. Can we have a bomb threat? Just get us away from this person. No, you're looking at me like you've never had that experience. Come on now. You know, oh man, I, oh, I better not go too far in that, all that, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm just saying, I've had those experiences before where you just feel life leaving your body. You know, you're like the wicked to the witch that's melting on, you know, we're melting. You know, the whole time you're talking to that person, you <sighs> just life is leaving your body. That's a bad relationship, okay? And I'm just suggesting to you that, man, when you find somebody, I just chased that rabbit way too far. But when you find a relationship like that, man, hang on to that. Build on that relationship. Let me give you one last verse just to kind of wrap this thing up. Psalm 37, 23. The Bible says the steps of good people, good people are ordered by the Lord. He kind of guides them. He delights in their way. He goes, go you. And then he says about the good person, though they fall, though they fall. He said, they'll not be utterly cast down because of the Lord, the greatest friend we've ever had is right there to help them get back up. I read that in relationship to this week and I thought about friends that we have in our life that when we stumble and fall, remember that's what the text said, they're a friend that can help us back up. And, and, and there's three things that will sweep your feet, three things that will take your feet out from under you. Number one, sin. Eventually, we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna say things, do things, we're just, you know, it's just gonna happen, we got a nature. But one of the things that's beautiful about it is when we stumble and fall over some sin that we've committed, is first of all, we have the greatest friend in the world. 
He said, I'll help them back up. But what's wonderful is when you have a friend that can help you back up. Little boy was going to bed one night. He was afraid. And and so his mother was trying to comfort him. She said, well, son, even though dad and mom are not in there, Jesus is with you. He's with you all the time. You're okay. You're never alone. He says, I know, but sometimes I just need somebody with some skin on them. (laughs) That's what a friend is. Yeah, Jesus is with you all along, but man, when you stumble and fall, you need somebody with some skin on them. You need a friend that can reach down and help you back up on your feet. So sin, here's another thing that'll take your feet. Suffering. Suffering. Sometimes sickness hits your life. Sometimes financial reverse, loss of a job, betrayal. Some you go through some difficult time, your heart's shattered, broken and you stumble and you fall because of what you're going through. The greatest friend in the world, his name is Jesus, is right there to help you up. But man, if you've got some friends, if you've got some people, you've got somebody with some skin on them, <laughs> wow. And then the third one is something I'm very acquainted with that can take your feet right out from under you is sorrow. Sorrow. May 31st, I had probably the biggest downfall of my life when Cindy went to heaven. I'm not back on my feet yet. But I can tell you what's helped is to have a church family, to have your faith, and to have some friends. Some people with some skin on them. I could say, man, you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. That's why the Bible says pity the person who doesn't have those people in their life. If you don't have somebody like that in your life, you, you need to start looking for them. <clears throat> you need to give them a chance. You'll have to filter some out, but you need to give them a chance. And when you forge them, hang on to them, man. They're a gift from God. They'll help a brother. They'll help a sister. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. As we've learned again this morning, it's so practical. So practical. And when we apply it, it's powerful. I pray for all of my folks that are watching online and those in the room this morning. Help us, Lord, to see the value of healthy relationships. In the midst of redemptive relationships, in the midst of ministering to hurting people and people who need help, help us to see the value of having people who are pouring back into us. And Father, help us to never underestimate the power of a relationship with you. For my friends, Lord, who may never have trusted you as Savior, I pray this might be the moment when they just humble their heart and swallow their pride and say, Lord, with all that I know about me, I trust all that I know about you. And for everyone else, Lord, I pray you'll encourage us today. Help us to value our friends. Pray for them. Be there for them. Help us to reach out to others. To realize that we're on this earth for one reason, and that's to represent you. To serve you by serving someone else. For those who need someone to pray for them, I pray as soon as I dismiss now, they'll find their place here at the front. Let somebody spend a minute to encourage them and pray for them before they go home. Thank you, Father, for the joy of knowing Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. 
We thank you for it in your name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.